What's Brewing Sports. I think that they're going to be kind of the, the surprise Cinderella team. Just defensively, just get incrementally better. Everybody has lived up and failed expectations. That's it. The box score is what the box score is. It sucks for them. It. <laughs> oh, what's going on with the San Antonio Spurs? That's what's brewing. All right. Welcome back to the second episode of What's Brewing Sports. Uh, thank you so much for everybody that tuned in for the first episode. So excited to share this with you guys. So excited to get to meet you guys. Um, and we're so excited for the second episode. Uh, what's brewing, Richard? How's it going? Well, I want you to know that, you know, as any good speaker does, that we are picturing everyone listening in their underwear. <laughs> that's it. That's, uh, that's kind of basically what you have to do in these situations. Right you are, Rich. Right you are. <laughs> Just, uh, no, no, glad to be back. I mean, what a, uh, you know, since we, it, we were talking before we came, uh, you know, sat down in front of the microphones that... It seems so long since the Super Bowl. Oh my gosh, I feel like I've already had two birthdays. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. It is a birthday month for the That's Oliver true. slash Broad Clan. That's so we'll, more on that uh, here as we get going. But, but yeah, <laughs> we've got so much to uh, talk about. It's the it. it, it uh, I don't want to break into uh, you know. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I don't want to start singing. But I will, man, when I start thinking about what's about to happen in sports. I mean, you and I had the great opportunity, uh, along with our brides, to to go to the Commanders uh, kickoff. The inaugural game of the Alliance of American Football was at the Alamo Dome. That's right. Uh, this past weekend, and we were there for that. It was an incredible experience. And then, I tell you, Andrew, we, just, we, we could talk Spurs. We could talk the spring training um, debut next week for all the different teams in Major League Baseball. Pitchers and catchers report. The greatest uh, phrase right. you could hear this time of year. Right around the corner from the Valero Texas Open. We've got the Masters coming up. And, uh, and again, we could talk some Spurs because right. there's some um, Playoffs. Uh, problematic right things the uh, yeah, happening in sure. the schedule with the Spurs. But, but first, Super Bowl football not over yet. The Alliance of American Football kicks off, and it says here that it was a pretty nice debut. I really enjoyed that game. I got to tell you, I was I was fairly fairly surprised. I had no idea what to expect. Um, the craziest thing right out of the box was when we first parked. Right, we're walking up to go find our tickets. Yeah, drizzling rain. It's drizzling freezing. rain. It's miserable for South Texas. It's right. absolutely miserable. Right. And you got people tailgating yeah. like it's. You know, game 10 of the season. Yeah, people want football. People want football. They're not ready to let it go. And in South Texas, I mean, you've already got diehard fans just because you you put on pads. Yeah, an, an announced crowd of more than 27,000, which was 10,000 more than they had later in the evening in Orlando. That's right. So you look at those, uh, those kind of things and the fact that San Antonio did support that team. Uh, the commanders do beat the San Diego fleet 15 to 6. But what's more remarkable, when you think about this, the Alliance of American Football, two games last night on CBS Networks, uh, two games Saturday night on CBS Networks, beat the NBA on ABC in head-to-head overnight ratings. That was a Rockets-Thunder game, which was a huge Western Conference game, huge for the Spurs, huge for just the NBA landscape. Right. James Harden against Russell Westbrook, all the different kind of things that, that played into that. And the AAF beats the NBA head-to-head. You know, in overnight ratings for that to happen, again, it's in that, you know, I, I'm always 
a little ambivalent about the NBA and about their the popularity of the NBA coast to coast. I mean, you know, apart from the Spurs being popular in the region or the Rockets sure. being popular in the region, um, the, uh, the the fact that football rules nationally uh, against a game like that on a Saturday night is really remarkable to me. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of mentioned this a while back when you and I were talking that it's, you're on the you're on a hangover of uh, having the Super Bowl, right? Like the pit, like the final exclamation point to the year of football, mm-hmm. right? All football mm-hmm. is essentially done, and then here we go and we say, ah, we're not quite done yet. Kind of like the season, you know what I mean? You look at the winter and, and all that stuff. I mean, like it's still football weather outside. It's still right, very right. much football weather outside, and you know, I I like Spurs basketball. I like basketball in general as much as anybody else, but I don't really not really ready for basketball till the sun is out full time, you know, like maybe around <laughs> April, maybe around April. So in effect, get the NBA season out of the way. Nah, just go straight right, to the playoffs right. in April. No, that's no, when no, Andrew no, no. starts that's paying not, attention. I'm just saying <laughs> you, you could be on TV or not. That's fine. But I'm not really going to wake up from my hibernation into basketball until, until season. Until uh, the April. tip off of the uh, of right. the playoffs in April. And I wonder if I'm not the only one. Oh. You know, I know that I'm a strange artist and I will gladly wear that badge, but <laughs> I clearly am not the only one. There's there's a bunch of weirdos out there that are still hanging on to football. And they're well, excited. Let's talk about exclamation points from that game, that uh, San Antonio Commanders game. Um I go in with a little bit of bias because the commanders, officials, all those guys have been great to deal with. Just just wonderful. I mean, sure. from Vic Gregovitz is the president of the team. Uh, the guy is, uh, has got major chops in the sports industry, and it showed last night. They put on a, or Saturday night, they put on a great program. Moose Johnston in town, always doing whatever he can to get the attention around this team. <laughs> sure. But once the game started, it was a quality product on the field. It was Absolutely. a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely, and uh, they had a couple of a couple of things that came out of that. Is one is San Antonio again trying its best. You know, with twenty seven thousand people announced crowd, trying its best to kind of say, look, you know, we're an NFL team. We're an NFL product or NFL franchise. Uh, we're a great spot for it. Sure, you know, we're, we're, we're place, the market. We're, we're the, the market. Yeah. We, we we can support football here. We can do it consistently. They've done it with UTSA until UTSA kind of skidded a little bit in their in their performance over the last year or two. Uh, but the first year, record attendance for UTSA, Division One football. They, uh, This city embraced it. They were so happy to have it here. Then, of course, now uh, a lot of attention on this uh, because this is the first time, and, and we had a discussion about this the other day, the idea that this is, we've talked about San Antonio hosting teams before. Sure. They have hosted just, just division league after league after league, you know, from, from the Canadian football league to, you know, to when the San Antonio gunslingers were here. Right. Uh, we've had arena football league, which I covered as a reporter, the San Antonio Talons. It was right. a blast, but it's a different kind of football. Right. Now this, to me, this is the first league legitimate league backed by money Kind of a league that has some staying power, some legs. They have a three-year contract with San Antonio. I mean, they, they're anticipating being here. But, Andrew, this is the first league that has a social media component to it. It's got a technological slant to it. Uh, there's a lot of gambling affiliated with the Alliance of American Football. Right. Not speaking Ill, illegal gambling. This this is a gambling league. Right. They embrace it. They but want the, you, was it you gamble on per down? No, oh, you could gamble on just about anything. And, and I'm not exactly sure. I'm not much of a gambler, but right. uh, 
but the other thing that was really interesting in part of being a social social media league was that there was a viral moment in this ball game that played everywhere. Absolutely. How about the the hit heard around the league, huh? I mean, that was yeah. and 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 what better player to have done it than than for him to have been a descendant from the great a descendant. The only I like that. <laughs> the, the the penultimate program that is Texas A&M football. Sean Washington. How about that hit, huh? I mean, that was just phenomenal. But you and I both looked at each other. I I swear for a moment that guy lost his head. Oh, I thought it was amazing. So what happened last night or Saturday night was that Sean Washington comes in. It was a monstrous sack. Now in the uh, Alliance of American Football, only they. You can't have more than five rushers right. of the quarterback. But last night, the, the or, or Saturday night, the Commanders had five sacks in that ball game. I mean, it and was just a they were defensive. All over. But this guy in the first half, bloodbath. And I can't. And, and I'm the San Diego quarterbacks, Mike uh, Berkovici. I think so. Berkovici. I don't know. Anyway, he gets. He doesn't see Washington coming at him. Not at all. And he comes in. Now the rules in the Alliance are different than the rules in the NFL. You 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 could hit the quarterback. Right. And we and saw that. And <laughs> he hit the quarterback. Helmet goes flying. I thought that I thought poor Mike had been decapitated. Absolutely. The ball was fumbled. San Diego recovers it. But but Andrew, what a moment. And it became in a social media digital age, it became an exclamation point that was seen worldwide within moments of that happening. And everybody picked it up. Well, and how about this? So everybody wanted to know, what is this league's place in comparison to the NFL? Right. And I think that hit alone put it on that stage and said, mm-hmm. look, you know, the NFL is about money. It's about protecting the players. Maybe it's going too far. Maybe it's not. There's a lot of questions lately and, and, and over the years, frankly, about refereeing and how involved referees have become with the game. And this game said, you know what? You want to know what this league has to offer? We're going to show you first game. I mean, how about that hit? When is the last time you've seen a hit like that in the NFL? Without a flag. Without a, right. Without a flag. A justifiable hit where the game doesn't essentially stop. Right. And so uh, Berkovici is is a uh, a former Arizona State player. Right. Uh, So he's got, it's interesting. A lot of these guys in the league, the whole idea behind this Alliance of American Football, of course, these guys all want to play at an upper level. Well, they did. And they, or they did, they, but they, they want to get back. They want to get back. They want they to stay. Get there. They want to get there and stay right. and be able to be viable. So viable a guy like so players. so for a player like Sean Washington to come in and make that kind of a hit is is certainly a uh, a moment for him for his resume his online resume. Absolutely. The idea of doing those kind of different things, interesting ball game, defensive ball game as opposed to the Orlando uh, game earlier was forty to six That's or whatever right. was uh, Orlando beats uh, whoever they played Birmingham. Yes. And so you, you look at those kind of games, you think, okay, that was a little lopsided. It didn't go the way they wanted. Uh, but that game on Saturday night was just a, a slugfest in the trenches. We could almost have a lot of the same kind of conversation we had uh, after the Super Bowl, where a lot of this game, that game was won in the trenches, on the lines. But one thing that really emerges out of that, I don't know how good San Diego is. San Antonio is going to play them in a, in a couple of weeks again. Right. They've got a game coming up here this week. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see on Sunday, I believe is that ball game's going to be, but in a couple of weeks, they'll play San Diego again. So let's just say San Diego's an okay team, right? Uh, they've, they've got a couple of, they've got Gavin Escobar, the tight end who used to play for the Cowboys. Um, but so 
San Antonio's defense, though, was stout. It was a it was couple of interceptions. So impressive. A, yeah. So I think that that's one thing that. Well, how about that walk off interception? Right. Yeah. They're driving to score. There's a minute and a half or so left in the game. They're trying to hang on. They're down by what nine points. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the go ahead. It's not the go ahead touchdown. It's the touchdown they need before they have to kick an onside kick and then get the ball back. I mean, it's right. it's what they need to keep breathing. And he just turns around and just picks it out of the air. Some of those, I, I got to say this, some of those catches and the interceptions on both sides of the ball were just remarkably impressive. Yeah, really good. Also, the running situation, the running backs across this league just seem to be dominant, which begs the question, you know, you, you've got all these powerful running backs and maybe they're not doing well because they're in the wrong system of the NFL. And maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there's a lot of things that go with that, but you know, you see the way these guys play. You think there's got to be somewhere for them to play. Right. And so already you look at this league and you think, well, I mean, at, what a great opportunity for them. You know, when you think uh, in, in along those lines, Andrew, when you think about these players, they all want something more. You know, and it's interesting when you – I'm not saying the players would ever relax on their laurels. You can in the NFL. If you do that, you really you really will get decapitated sure. on the field. But you, but, but for, for folks who are watching um, – this this league, they're watching players who have a lot of want to in them. These are guys that that, that really want to either get back to that next level. That's right. Or they want to uh, they want to have that first shot at it. Sure. You know, and I think that that's the kind of thing that uh, that makes this league interesting and very special. And then, and again, I'll carry it into the stands. If you go to a Commanders game, you're watching those guys try to get something, make something special happen on the field. But in the stands, San Diego or San Antonio fans are trying to make something special happen. Absolutely. We're looking for the next level, too. That's right. And that brings me to the next thing is that you had an opportunity before the game. Our good friend Ron Nuremberg, the mayor of San Antonio, was at a VIP reception that we were we had an opportunity to go to. And Ron said a couple of weeks ago, uh, several, several weeks ago now, I guess, that he thought that the NFL was a viable expectation for San Antonio. Uh, certainly within the next decade, somewhere around there. You had a good long talk with him about that because, in fact, when he walked in, you were like a bumblebee finding, you know, the flower because he, <laughs> he, you wanted to talk to him so badly about that that topic because I know that's something that's been... Uh, well, it was crazy, actually. It's a topic that I had just, I had just finished researching uh, like a few hours ago before we saw him. In fact, you know, I knew that we were going to this event uh, I didn't know anything about the event. I had no idea he was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, I, I got to get this guy. I got to get some clarification on this quote because time has passed now. I wonder if he still feels that way. Right. And and to tell you that he feels that way would be an understatement. I mean, he's so passionate. First of all, he's, he's so passionate for the city. He's so passionate for sports. But he's also got this awareness of the numbers and the reality of of things happening and what's what is happening what he's looking at it every day but he sees um oh he's a sports fanatic well but he sees the chess moves of the city sure he knows what what where we stand where we were and based on that what we're projected to become right and i think you know it's it's interesting the way that he related it to me was uh you know for years everybody's been clamoring and, and been complaining about the presence of more direct flights um and also the fact that the airport's smaller, you know, it's not really what we want it to be. It's not like a major city's airport. Mm-hmm. And he, he was telling Change me. Change it, though. 
it is changing. Well, that was his point. He was saying, you know, the thing was there wasn't enough demand in actual flights pur purchased and incoming flights into the city to actually warrant that change. Mm -hmm. But over time, what they've seen now is that actually it's significantly changed. Mm -hmm. There's a significant amount of more flights coming in. And so he was highlighting all of that to say that the market in San Antonio has changed dramatically. It's growing dramatically. Economically, we're growing dramatically. And that now we are, we are very much a viable economic, sustainable market for a power pro franchise of yeah. some sort. I still think we need, we need more Fortune 500 companies. We need some more support. I mean, uh, obviously, and, and, and I think Ron would agree with this. And we, you know, we hope to have him on with us to talk a little bit more about this moving to. forward because I think he, he would love to. You know, he, he grew up up in the Northeast, and, and his big goal in life, his big focus in life when he was uh, seeking a profession uh, back in the day was he wanted to be a Boston Red Sox beat writer. Oh, so really? last year during the playoffs, uh, Ron and I kind of went back and forth a little bit, Astros, Red Sox. He got the upper hand, damn it, in the American <laughs> League Championship Series. But, uh, but he, uh, he's a great guy about, to talk to about sports. And, and one of the things, though, I think San Antonio, um, it would have to be to, to – and I really want to talk to him more about this from this angle. It would have to be not so much San Antonio – but the San Antonio-Austin corridor, in my view. Sure. You've got to get some of that money uh, infused into what we want to do here in San Antonio. And also the Mexican nationals. you got to get, the, you got to get Mexico, the business interest in Mexico. There's, there's money down there. There's disposable income. Absolutely. Uh, you've got to court that market. And I'll, and I'll take it uh, to the next level. I mean, everyone knows that. When you look south and you look at, the, uh, at, at how important the Mexico market is, the Hispanic market— is look at what the Cowboys have done. Absolutely. The Cowboys in the 1960s, when they when they really cranked up that franchise, they looked at where they could be special in Texas, and they went Spanish language broadcast right away. They got into some of the the huge megaphone radio stations that blasted all the way down into Mexico. Right. So the people grew up listening to Dallas Cowboys football, even down into Mexico, and uh, and then today you see it. The, the, the Cowboys play in Phoenix. They play in Los Angeles. They play in, in Hispanic markets. Right. And the, there are more Cowboys fans in the stands, no matter how pitiful that team is. <laughs> there's more Cowboys fans in the stands than there are, uh, you know, Cardinals fans and Rams fans and Raiders fans. That's right. Well, and how about, you know, even moving the, uh, the spring and fall trainings into more accessible mm -hmm. locations Right. Because uh, it, it was here in San Antonio for a minute, wasn't it? No, the it? Cowboys uh, had their, their training camp here I'd, several years ago. Did, didn't they move it uh, to Southern California or something? Yeah, no, it's back, to, it's back to Thousand Oaks in that area. Right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so. And I heard that it was because it was more accessible for that market that you just talked about it, over it, there in Southern California. Yeah, it might have been too. Plus, I think they uh, – and I remember when Bill Parcells was the head coach uh, back in the early 2000s where they were camping. He just didn't like the, camp, the training camp being inside the Alamo Dome. Oh, uh, they were doing yeah, a lot of stuff at the Alamo Dome, and then they would play. You know, they would go. To, he want he wants the heat. They, they wanted the, they want guys feeling pain. You know, sure, sure. And then you by the time you get in the season, you're really kind of honed by fire in a way. You know, but, right. But but just getting back to that, I mean, the idea being that they that the the San Antonio is a viable NFL market, and and Ron would talk about it. It, it really the passion's there. The passion for football, the passion for the NFL in San Antonio, absolutely there. 
Uh, and when you think about it, it, it would it's it's viable from a fan standpoint. It right. Will, it will be supported. Right. You, eight home games a year. You know, are you are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. people would be coming from everywhere. And a great and, and the conversation he had with you that I thought was very interesting was the idea that uh, the Cowboys would be the hurdle in most people's minds. Right. Jerry Jones or Stephen Jones or whoever, by the time this happens, I'm, I'm guessing Jerry Jones may not, you know, he's not, not getting any younger. Sure. Uh, or, or whoever the, the Texans uh, owner would be uh, at that time, they, would they throw up hurdles, you know, right. for, for a team coming into San Antonio? And the overview of that whole thing is, again, it's not the support. It's not the, it, it's not the, uh, the idea that you can't, somehow fund yourself a stadium right um and and get there's always some way it, it'll happen and that'll be another discussion a political discussion but andrew the idea is that there's got to be money in the there's got to be money that can be plugged into that could support the nfl and you've also got to to be cognizant of the fact that the spurs own this market and the spurs own a lot of the of the sponsorships in this market. Sure. Uh, and so there's a lot of things you've got to kind of sort through right. to get the NFL to come to San Antonio. Right. So let me ask you this. Do you see right now the way things sit with this AAF and, and based on the overnight reaction, which has been great, we're obviously very, very, very young and early in into all of this uh, new franchise and what it is let alone what it's going to be, but do you see this as a potential bridge for San Antonio to the NFL? Well, that's an interesting story. That, that's an interesting idea. And it's, let's just say, for instance, last night in Orlando, 17,000 people watch Orlando beat Atlanta. Right. And then, you know, in San Antonio, 27,000 people announced crowd, uh, tickets sold or tickets dispersed, however you want to say it. Right. That's a pretty good crowd. Can they sustain that this week when Orlando comes calling here? Can they sustain it Sunday? And, and, and I say that as a microcosm of the look ahead. Sure. Can this market sustain a franchise long enough to continue to make those kind of waves and let people know? Couldn't do it with Arena Football League. Canadian Football League came and went. Go down the checklist of all the different uh, professional football leagues that have come to San Antonio and failed after the in the short haul. Sure. It hasn't been a matter of just having a team that has said, hey, listen, that team's lasted six years and then it just you know stuff like that just the 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 dominoes have got to fall in such a way that san antonio is available for an nfl franchise the franchise comes in and but you know and it's not and here's the other thing andrew what's what's it it, when people when we and people want nfl football here there's no doubt about that there's not even a whisper unless you're just a an beginner who's you know you're going to wave your your tax flags and all kinds of stuff and, and, and just the corporate giveaways. You're going to go into those familiar tropes to, to argue against the NFL. Sure. People want it here, but it's got to be, it's got to be perfect. People don't realize now, the people that I talk to sometimes, that the Alamo Dome is not going to be it. No. You yeah. cannot play in the Alamo Dome. And we're talking now billion-dollar stadiums. Yeah. The The... the the target now to to host a franchise in any community is is Jerry World, right? Up in Arlington, right? You know, you've got to have that billion dollar stadium where they held the Super Bowl in Atlanta, billion dollar stadium. That's so, true. does San Antonio and its fan base, as much as they want NFL, do you have the stomach for that? The giveaways that have to happen, the the corporate base that has to support that, right? So, passion has nothing to do with it. Sure. 
it'd be interesting to talk to uh, our neighbors up north and find out what that process was like. I know we heard a lot of rumblings down here when that stadium was being built uh, as far as, you know, how much it was initially projected at. And then I think it, you know, it went several hundred million above that. Always and, does. Um, you know, I know I remember hearing a lot of grumblings and rumblings when it was in the process of being built. Right. Um, but now here we are you know, several years later after it's been built and I, you know, do we, do they still care? I've never been in that stadium until this last year. Um, and, and I, even then when I, I didn't go to see a game, I saw a concert, but I was down there and they they're building this whole like mega party scene. Uh, Ryan and I mm-hmm. went down there with Winston, our, our good friend Winston, and uh, just to check out the bar scene. And it was it's a really crazy complex, first of all. Right. Brand new. I don't know that there was even anything going on, actually. I think, I think it was right around college football was about to start. So I don't know that games had even started happening out there yet. And it was packed. Right. People are out there loving it. They're, I mean, it's... It, there's nothing else out there. So when you go out there, I mean, like, you're going out there to do that. But it's this mega system of, of bars and restaurants right. and people loved it they were going crazy for it i don't know how it performed going forward during that season this past season but people seem excited about it yeah. so you know you talk about at at&t stadium and everything that yes. whole complex because yeah. you know and that's where you know what's I, I think and i'll give jerry jones credit there's there's not too many businessmen like him around and people People sure. may hate his football acumen, and they may get upset. But you experienced what I think what everyone have to have to respect about Jerry Jones is he knows that when you go to an event, it's an event. Sure, you're going you're going for the experience, and that's not that's not kickoff to final gun, or or you know opening note to closing note of a concert. It's all the stuff around it. You know, it's the experience outside. It's the experience inside. It's all the different kind of things you could do to, That's to, right. to have a great time. Um, and so, when you go to when you go to an event, uh, it, it's it's a four hour deal. You know, it's a right. four and a half hour deal. Right. They've got that art. They have that artwork in there. They've got all the different kind. Of, they when they're selling standing room only tickets for fifty dollars, and people are swooping them up just to be there. Right. And experience that 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 place. Well, you know what? And it's that kind of place. It, it is. is that kind of, it's like a little miniature Vegas. That's, of oh, yeah. sorts. You know <laughs> what that I mean? scoreboard. Oh my God. That yeah. It's just spectacular. I love watching football games and I've been to a few football games there at Cowboys stadium, AT&T stadium now. And where you look up and, and the football players on the sideline are watching this. That's right. The refs. They're, they're watching, they're watching this, <laughs> the, the scoreboard and not the, uh, and not the game itself. Right, you know, right. instead of face forward, they're looking up, you know? So I think that, I think that, that, but that's what San Antonio's got to aim for. Right. You've got to, you've got to think about what San Antonio's got to aim and how, how do we accomplish that? And even if you knock down the Alamo Dome and say, okay, yeah, we're going to build we'll, we'll, 1.5 billion. We're going to get it. State funds, county, city, we'll all raise our taxes. We'll right. do visitor's tax. We'll do whatever we can do to Sell get that. wrapping paper. We'll do anything we can do. <laughs> dig in your, your couches. We're going to build a $1.5 billion stadium. Right. Uh, and, and, and believe me, for that to happen, you've got to have a team, the Chargers, saying, yeah, we're moving there. Right. Then people might have a stomach for that kind of public sure. outlay. But to get all that, to have that happen at the down there at the Alamo Dome, you've got to have space for it. You've got to have acreage. You've got to figure out access points, all that kind of different stuff. 
I'm still not convinced that that spot is going to be where you would have a football stadium. That's the spot, huh? I'm not convinced. It, I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's got to be the San Antonio-Austin corridor. It's got to be any of that, like where they built oh, the, the speedway up right, there. Right, right. The Formula One speedway up there that Red McCombs invested in. Something in San Marcos or Seguin or something in that little stretch there. In my view, Kyle, some I don't know, someplace up there, you build yourself a big... And, and I think about I think about when I used to go down to Miami and the stadium was up in, in Fort Lauderdale. That's right. And it was like, so it was, it was Miami Dolphins, but they're playing up, up the coast, 90, up Highway 95 or whatever it is there. And, uh, and a lot of those stadiums are like that. It, it, it used to be like that in Sacramento. It used to be like for NBA. It used right. to be like the way you'd build a stadium where you could get some traffic and also what you had to have space for it. Yeah, right. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I just think San Antonio, to go all the way back to our, the beginning of our discussion about the commanders, yeah, the passion's there. People show up for football. We love our football here. The NFL, I think Ron Nuremberg's got a great point. This is an NFL city. But boy, I tell you, the hurdles and the things, the checklists that you have to that you have to check off to have something like that happen here is going to be monumental. Sure. And you've got to have somebody behind it. You've got to have a Red McCombs. Right. Or a, um, I don't know, go down to the Rackspace guy, Graham Weston. Graham I don't Weston, know, go to sure. guys who have money. They've got to be behind it to make it work. Right. You've got to have somebody who's got some cachet who's going to carry that ball for you. Sure. And I'll, and I'll go back to what Corpus Christi did, a very much, much smaller scale. I was sports editor in Corpus Christi for 13 years at the Corpus Christi Caller Times. Right. I preached for baseball day after day after day, column after column after column about getting pro baseball into Corpus Christi. Hispanic market, great baseball fans, great baseball legacy at the high school level, uh, you know, college level, not so much because they just didn't have any Division One colleges down there. But that the city could, could I just preached it, that it could back pro baseball, minor league baseball of, of any level. Right. It took Nolan Ryan after I was gone, like literally the year after I left town. So clearly I was the problem. <laughs> so clearly right. after I went to New York in, in mid the mid-90s, um, they uh, Nolan Ryan came in and championed that cause. Right. And I mean, bingo. People said, well, if Nolan Ryan wants it, right. I want it. Right. I want this to happen. So Nolan Ryan comes in there and makes that happen. We need a Nolan Ryan. Well, let me ask you. To who, come in. Do you have anybody in mind? Has anybody come to mind right now as a potential player for San Antonio? It, well, I'm thinking from a political level, I'd have to really dig deep because I don't, I don't know. You, it's, I don't know of anybody uh, who has the stomach for that in a very political climate like San Antonio is. Sure. So I'm not sure. Now, Ron Nuremberg, if he does move up into some kind of state office or if he's someone who advocates for the city, right. a Joe Strauss type guy would advocate for the city, then maybe something like that. Um, I think from a pro athlete standpoint of guys who are here, somebody like a Priest Holmes or, or somebody like that who has played pro football, was a pro bowler right. uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs, you know, a guy that's a University of Texas guy, uh, good looking, has a great presence to him. He might be somebody who could kind of step forward and say, you know, hey, this is something that could work in San Antonio, and here's why. Right. Gets in front of the camera. Now, does he have the cachet to do it, to, to be able to put a hand into to our pockets and get our wallets out? Right. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But, uh, but right now, I don't see – that's why I think Nuremberg's looking ahead to a decade down the road. 
because this town is evolving so quickly and it's changing so quickly. Absolutely. From the airport to what you mentioned and talked yep. about to just the landscape of the infrastructure of what's happening in the investment in the city. Uh, that kind of infrastructure, what's happening on Broadway, what's happening downtown uh, with the construction of the Frost, Frost Bank Tower, all sure. those kind of different things. Um, and again, the airport, all the different the culinary, all the quality of life things that are happening in San Antonio. That's where you get your Fortune 500 companies. That's where you get your corporations that want to come in and be a part of that in a dynamic city that offers their employees something special. Sure. And who knows out of that? You know, had AT&T stayed here, if somebody right, with AT&T right. would have stepped forward. San Antonio's changing. So Absolutely. But if you're thinking we're going to get an NFL team, anybody out there who's listening to us thinks we're going to have an NFL team in the next five years, no. not Yeah, happy. right. You know, we're going to get the Raiders come sniffing around. as le We'll be Leverage City USA for a while. Right. But we won't right. get an NFL team. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this AAF. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the commanders and to see, you know, where San Antonio goes from here. Do we I think this is the first part of the what does it take? You know, does it take us just simply showing up to games like this? Yeah. Does it take us as a city saying, you know, we're hungry for it? You know, it may not be the Raiders. It may not be the Chargers, you know, or the, the Dallas Cowboys type of level that we're looking for today. But if we're hungry enough, why not? Why not loud them up as if they were right. to show that we would bring that in? You know, mm -hmm. because the thing about that, if we if we come in strong and, and we, we hold up the commanders as if they are the Cowboys of South Texas, you know, well, then a Cowboys could look at that or, a, you know, not the Cowboys, but I'm saying the no, Raiders but right. or the, the Chargers could see that and say, well, look, they're going all out. They're going crazy over this AAF team. Let's move our franchise down there and they will they will just the, the city will explode. Right. Oh, and, and also, you know what, and that, that's why the Alliance of American Football is intriguing because uh, it's got some NFL components. I right. mean, the NFL is not, you know, they haven't dismissed this league. Like they would, they, uh, it, I'm not saying there's a lot of Kurt Warners running around that they feel like these, this is a league that's going to birth those kind of players. But, but, you know, when you look at that, you see a Moose Johnston, you see a Heinz Ward, you see uh, Troy Palomalu, right. uh, Bill Polian, um, you know, uh, Eversol, the Eversol family being involved, CBS televising the games. I mean, there's money behind this. All the teams are owned by one owner, one right. group of owners. Right. Um, so it's it's a it's a league that's being invested in, um, and was was tactical in the way they prepared for this for this uh, first season. They were tactical in the way they went after this, and what they did was they. They uh, looked at the franchises that they thought, you know what, these are the areas, these are the franchises that are going to succeed in the areas that are going to succeed, and they went right after San Antonio. And I think that makes a big difference when you could say um, they believe in San Antonio. They right. see something there that's going to make a big difference. Sure. And uh, so I think that that, listen, if you want, you could find encouragement all over the place. Sure. About football in San Antonio and maybe, maybe something more, you know. Uh, right. The, this type of football, NFL developmental football, and you and you want something more, and you know what? To get something more, this has to work. I agree. I has agree. To work, you know. I agree. And I. But I, also, what has to work is to have some billionaire step into the fray <laughs> and say, <laughs> "Red McCombs is, you know, he's not going to be the guy, you know, in the long run." That's so. true. That's true. It's it's one thing to have dreams, but winning the lottery certainly would help. Them that go would help. A long I'm way, trying, man. It? I'm trying. <laughs> I'm working on that. Well, you know what? It'll be really interesting to see uh, how things progress, not only for San Antonio in the, the distant future, but also the immediate future with this AAF team. 
the commanders to see how they progress, not just the league itself, but how the players grow as well. Maybe and they could win. Keep winning. That'd be nice. That would be fantastic. And Orlando put it? up 40 on our, on Atlanta, and they come in this week. So, so I uh, could brag on this defense all day already, but well, that's, that's, sounds maybe, like there's a test That's ahead. right. That's right. We'll see what happens next week. So. Um, I want to segue back into uh, a little bit of our roots, if I can. We are called What's Brewing Sports, and uh, one of the main catalysts behind that when we when we talked about putting this thing together, you know, I, I wanted to surround it around um, your brand as as a, the sports guy here in town, um, but also kind of who you are personally. You know, we all know your love of coffee through Facebook, uh, <laughs> and your your many ramblings. I right think on love. Media. I think you're talking addiction. <laughs> love might not be a strong enough word. And so I, I kind of want to talk to you about that. A little bit in terms of coffee. Did you drink coffee a lot when you were growing up? Or no, is that something? No, it's funny because uh, no, I never drank coffee. I was like a lot of young guys. Uh, I was pretty disgusted by it, the really? smell of it, of the whole thing, you know. And uh, what it took was being uh, was marrying into uh, this Italian family to an Italian girl who grew up uh, getting espresso uh, every morning, brought to her bedside, you know, by her Italian mother. Uh, so I, I started drinking coffee and man, oh man, I'm just, I love coffee. I love it. I love, uh, I just love the idea of getting up in the morning, having a great cup of coffee, reading the paper, sure. um, reading a lot of, a lot of sports so that I could be ready for you to give me the inevitable call about something <laughs> that happens so I can sound educated. <laughs> uh, right. but you know, just the, uh, just the, just the idea of, uh, of a good hot cup of coffee. Right. Uh, that's my, that's, that's one of my very, very few addictions is, um, and that's why it's hard every two, three years would, you know, Ash Wednesday comes around sure. and I surrender something being a good Catholic. Sometimes you want to give up what you love. Right. Right. So, uh, I can't give up the family. I can't give up. The, <laughs> you can't give up the, you know, you can't give up certain things, but I could give up, I could give up coffee, you know, right. I, 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 not, willingly and not very well right but it certainly but, seems at 1201 at the end of that week you're right oh, in i'm it, right back <laughs> on it right back on it so when you came up with the idea of doing this podcast and we talked about doing uh all the different names that were bandied about what's brewing sports was great uh, we love craft beer sure we love we love good coffee uh just just investing in not just you know just uh, uh grabbing a folgers can off the off the shelf we like to get some well, yeah. We like to get into it. Absolutely. Well, and that's you know that's something that I uh, discovered early on coming to this family as well. Uh, so for me personally, you know, I, I drank espresso in high school. I tell you why. I I drank espresso in high school because I saw the movie Swordfish. <laughs> all right, and I of love that movies. movie. I of love that movies. movie, and I still love that movie. It's so epic, but. They order a triple espresso. And so I thought, you know, I kind of, I liked the idea of coffee. I was around it a little bit growing up. We had coffee a lot. I didn't know what espresso really was. So I went into a Starbucks. Boldly, they said, what do you want? And I said, give me a triple espresso. I was 16 years old. <laughs> you were jacked up. They hand me the this day. thing. And I'll tell you what, it, was, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't the, like, I want to spit it out kind of thing. I thought it was actually quite good. But yeah, I was wired for two days straight, I think. <laughs> I don't think I slept for 48 hours. And ever since then, I just kind of I, I was became kind of a coffee espresso guy. I was definitely not into the sweet drinks, the lattes and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so then when I came into this family, you know, I was uh, very fairly quickly welcomed as far as my coffee culture. 
And uh, well, we wouldn't have let you in the family. That's right. Had it not been for your affection for coffee. That was the the threshold. That that was what you got to. (laughs) But it's funny to see the culture, like how how strong the culture of coffee really is within our family. You know, Laura and I have have recently taken to trying all these different cultures of coffee. We make Turkish Mm -hmm. coffee. You know, uh, we make press. We we we've got espresso makers. Uh, we've made stove espresso. You know, we've tried so many different styles and brands of coffee, and that's always a fun time. Just her and I kind of bonding. But it's also telling when you when you look at the siblings, when you look at Trisha, Ryan, and and Katie, and you'll certainly hear it if we go a night and we're watching a movie and you're not up making coffee, you'll hear about it. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not something that the kids will let go of. Even if they're asleep, they'll still wake up and say, where's my coffee? Right. So, you know, it's it's such an, you know, a deeper running thing. I, I think it's part of our blood, this coffee, as opposed to just, you know, a, a quirky kind of thing that we attribute to our podcast. It's very much a part of who we are. This, right. This brewing, this idea of brewing. Uh, and you're right. We also talk about beer as well. And uh, that's something we also want to get more into and talking about with the listeners out there as far as what kind of beer you guys drink and, and uh, you know, what different types of breweries are out there. I know that there's yeah, a ton. Yeah, let us know so we could, we could go experience it. There's a ton out there today, especially right. just in South Texas alone, mm-hmm. in the San Antonio area. Um, we, went to, uh, we went to Weathered Souls just the other night. That's you, right. you had been there before. I'd never been there before. That's right. Close to where we live. And so we went over there, loved it. Great stuff. It's, actually, I, it's really good. Yeah. And, really and good. did you, did you, were you there when he was talking to us about the idea that they'll make a, a special brew for, for you, for us, for, for anyone? I did hear about that. I don't that. know exactly what you have to do to get that special <laughs> brew. That's right. That's right. But I thought that was pretty cool. That is really cool. Kind of tell them the kind of different things you like in your, right. in your brew, and they'll make it for you. That's right. Well, we, you know, we have to look into that. Maybe host a podcast out there live, have some people out, and maybe have a special brew made for us. It could happen. It very much could happen, and we'll definitely look into that. But for you guys out there, I'll tell you what, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about your coffee experiences with your family and also your your beer experiences with your family and with your friends. So please reach out to us on Facebook at What's Brewing Sports and let us know about your favorite coffee experiences, your favorite beer experiences, and anything else that you brew. Uh, we're very excited and very passionate about those things. Let's and, move. and anything that they want us to talk about. That's right. Yeah, That's I right. mean, if there's something you have an opinion on that you'd like to share with us, let us uh, let us pick up the ball and 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 have that conversation because there's a lot to talk about in sports. Um, and the whole design of this podcast is we we're just we're just sitting back with right. coffee and with a brew or whatever and and just just talking sports. A couple of guys and. Uh, uh, we will have guests. We do have some plans. Uh, Absolutely. We talked about Mayor Nuremberg. Uh, we talked to him uh, over the weekend at the Alliance of American Football game. Uh, we hope to have him on. He wants to come talk sports. Uh, he's going to want to talk Red Sox, so I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, so we can talk about that. We've got uh, we've got some great relationships. Um, Absolutely. And you and I, we talked uh, at our first podcast about the great sports talk that's happening in San Antonio. Just a great broadcast of people, a lot of dialogue about sports. A lot of passion about sports in San Antonio, which gives us an opening to talk about it as well. But boy, when you talk about guys like uh, Jason Minix, by the way, uh, just had a birthday over the weekend. So happy birthday to Jason Minix, the the play-by-play voice of the San Antonio Commanders. Great guy. Rob Thompson, good ag, good Aggie. 
uh, is his partner on the afternoon show on ESPN 1250 over there. Uh, you know, uh, Mike Taylor in the mornings kicks it off for everybody. Uh, he's got got a great show over at uh, Ticket 760. And then, of course, Chris Duell, who's been in radio for a gazillion years, also talking. Uh, so we, we want to have those guys with us, too, every once in a while. Absolutely. Because they, Absolutely. they've got some great things to say about some great uh, things happening in the town as well. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's move on to the kind of what's become the elephant in the room, the thing that is it used to be a thing of passion is becoming a thing of gripe of late, and that would be the San Antonio Spurs. Angst. What is Angst going on? Angst everywhere. What is going on? Well, they can't play. They're having a. They're having a. They're out of sync defensively, and it's really hurt them. And they're dinged up a little bit. So a couple of things happening this week as we we head into this Valentine's week is uh, the Spurs have their. Um, they got one more game Tuesday night against Memphis. So if you're listening in now, the game might have been over by the time, uh, you know, so we don't know exactly what's going to happen there. But uh, they play, they've lost four straight on the rodeo road trip. First time ever, 17 years of doing the rodeo road trip. They've, they've never started this badly. Uh, last year, they had a losing record for the first time on the rodeo road trip. The Spurs have not, over the last two seasons, they have gone absolutely about face for what they've been known for for many years, and that was being a great road basketball team. That's right. And that's what's hurting them. It's killing them in the standings. They're not getting it done on the road. They're playing well at home, um, well above 500 at home, not very well on the road. So they've got the one game against Memphis, and then Andrew, they've got 10 days off uh, for the All-Star break. LaMarcus Aldridge be the only spur that has anything to do with the All-Star game this year. Sure. And they'll have 10 days off, and then they go to Toronto, and they play Kawhi. Uh, and the schedule, then there, there we go. And we're going to head down the stretch. The Spurs have got to find their mojo defensively, They've got to find something, some rhythm to make something happen. They're doing a good job on offense and protecting the ball. Right. Uh, they only had nine turnovers uh, in their last game, uh, heading before the Memphis game. They've got, uh, they're, they're scoring at a clip that we haven't seen right. offensively in San Antonio in, in some time. But they can't stop anybody. Right. And in the, the calendar year 2019, the Spurs have not held one team below 100 points. And typically, now over the last three games, they've given up, what, 127, 141, and yep. 125. Yeah. You can't win games giving up that many points. And it's a, it's a maddening thing. And that's, you know what, that's physical. Part of that's physical, of course. But a lot of that's mental. Just having that, that bulldog mentality that I'm gonna, we're going to play defense, we're going to play it the right way. And they, did it in de- and they did it in December. They played great defense in December. Right. So what's happened, in, 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 and then the secondary problem, is the bench has been awful. And again, that might be part of the, the just being dinged up. They don't know what to do with Pau Gasol. They have, they have just some different <laughs> kind of things happening. They don't know what to do uh, with their rotations right now to try to get the, that magic on the court. It's, right. it's, it's, a, it's a tough stretch. But luckily, luckily, and I'll let you, let you talk because I'll dominate this dumb thing. <laughs> but luckily, oh, they want to hear from the you. Western Conference is such a, a dog-eat-dog you know, crap fest. Right. Everyone's sometimes. devouring themselves. Everyone's killing each other. Yeah. They're shredding each other. That the, the teams, you know, the teams in the lower part of the standings are not doing all that great. Right. You know, it's not like they're done. They're, 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 they're in the hunt. I mean, and the Spurs are not helping themselves with losing four straight before they head to Memphis. Sure. But the same, but by the same token, Lakers kind of stink. Memphis has not played very well. Sacramento's a, a coming on team, but nobody believes they're going to make the playoffs. So you sure. can kind of go down the list. So the Spurs, if they could just take care of business 
and just get a little bit better on defense, right? the Spurs might be a team to reckon with come March. Okay. I agree. Something you and I talked about. So uh, let's go back to what you said earlier. You said, you know, the last two years, the rodeo roundup, the, the trip has just been, hasn't really been their thing. They lost it. They had a losing schedule last year and, right. and they've had a terrible start this year. You know, last year, Kawhi was still on the team. Am I? He just wasn't playing. He wasn't playing, yeah. right? Yeah. This was about the time when they finally shut him down for the rest of the year. Right. Okay. So for me, the answer is there's no, there's no Kawhi. You and I kind of talked about why the Spurs were so great for so long. Um, and everybody kind of expects them to just have this magic uh, because they have. You know, mm-hmm. even even for a while when the starters were lacking, you had an, an incredible bench to lean on. But you could lean on the bench because, for the most part, the starters would carry the team. Right. So even when they had a down time, the bench was just antsy to get up and prove themselves. Right. Now there's no real leadership, it seems like, on this team. I mean, who's who's the leader to look to, really... That's saying, hey, you got to do this better. You got to clean this up. You, the, that right. that kind of you talked about a bulldog. Who's the bulldog on the court that's kind of driving that force? Well, it can't be Patty Mills, who's probably the leader on the team because he's more vocal than most. And but he doesn't play he doesn't play defense well enough. Right. Uh, Demar Derozan, um, probably more vocal than most. Lamarcus Aldridge, maybe the best scorer on the team right now, but not much of a leader. Right. Um, but but Demar Derozan would be the guy that. You'd think, well, maybe they could look to him, but you know, he's he's got liability on defense as well. Sure. So, I I don't know. It's a great point, but you know what? And and I will say, to be fair, uh, even if even if Kawhi Leonard was was happy and uh, you know sunshine and lollipops and unicorns with that guy, if he was still with the Spurs and happy, he wasn't much of a leader either. He, right. he led by his play, you That's know that true. kind of thing. That's true. So, I think. Uh, I think the Spurs I, again. I you, you can't you cannot the Spurs have enough. You have to have you have enough faith equity in that team, but because of the history and because of of what Greg Popovich has done with them and the fact that they 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 have played better this year than they're certainly showing now, that my feeling is beat Memphis on Tuesday night. Memphis they suck, <laughs> so you beat Memphis on Tuesday night. Take those ten days. Right. Go to the beach. Don't do anything. Right. Rest up. Decompress. Binge Netflix. Uh, binge Netflix. You know, do whatever you need to do to get healthy. Then come back and get to Toronto on February the 22nd. Uh, you're going to play Kawhi. And then you, you hit a, a stretch of the schedule where you're playing the Knicks and you're playing some different teams. Right. You, you got a lot of home games because the NBA knows you've been on the road for eight straight games. They give you some home games. So the Spurs can come back. So nobody should be jumping off the cliff about this just yet right spurs are six games over 500 uh they won four straight at home before they went on this road trip uh they're just out of sync right now the best thing that may happen the best thing it's not like they've won 10 straight going into the all-star break and you're like no don't stop yeah right. we don't want to stop now no we want the spurs to stop now (laughs) it's time to reset yeah stop go home (laughs) get on the couch uh, you know, rest up, read right. a book, do something, right. but heal up and then come back with a, maybe a different mindset and get ready. Cause that, when you come back, I'm telling you, Andrew, then it, 
We're talking playoffs then. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the closing stretch. That's last, when I started paying attention. That's, last, that's right. <laughs> that's when you get out of hibernation right about that. You know, you get those last uh, 20, 25 games, and then you're, then you're talking the playoffs. Right. So let me ask you, do, with this team right now, do you think that they have what it takes to reset and to come back and to make a viable playoff contention? Oh, yeah. Oh, I think, I think the Spurs will make the playoffs. I really do. I think they're just too good. They've got uh, just on the just on the talent level in their starting lineup. I think they're they're going to make the playoffs. Okay. If they get healthy, right? When you got Rudy Gay and you've got Demar Derozan, you've got Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, you know, you've got scores, and the Spurs are scoring. I mean, the Spurs are offensively they are a great team. Sure. And and people uh, don't discount that if you're a Spurs fan. Take a look at that and say, and, and at least see. You know what? If we could shore up this over here. If we could shore up what's happening on the defensive side of the ball and get that kind of mentality going, that will make a difference. Right. And that's where the Spurs could really make a push down the stretch. I tell you what, you watch the highlights of that game against uh, not L.A. Who am I thinking of? The Warriors. And uh, you get maybe to the mid point of the third quarter. They're in that game. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're matching them shot for shot. You know, they're they're the. They're down, fluctuates between ten points and, yep. and three points, but they're in that game. Just didn't have the and depth then, that And night. then it just, you know, it falls apart towards the end because they, you know, they wear out or whatever. They, they couldn't match it all the way through. Right. But you know, you you think to yourself, they just had a little bit of defense, just a little bit of oh. defense. All of a sudden, they're in that game until the final seconds. Well, then it's anybody's the, game. Well, yeah, and look at this rodeo road trip. I mean, the Spurs. When you when they they've gone on this road trip, they've they've given up 127, 141, 127, 125. Mm. That is unprecedented. Yeah. In the in the Greg Popovich era for the Spurs to be surrendering that that kind of buckets full of points like that. But at the same by the same token, Andrew, they've scored 112, 102, 118, 105. I mean, a, a, the Spurs team of of two years ago, uh, you know, playing playing just. 10% better defense. You win those games. Absolutely. Or at least go 3 and 1. I agree. Or 2 and 2. Yep. If they go 500 down the stretch, you know, you might feel happy at least on the road. But also, if you're a Spurs fan, they lost to the Kings who've come on. I, I'm I'm not thinking they're a playoff team, but they've come on fairly strong. Gold State Warriors, only the best team on the planet. Right. So you lose to those guys. Uh and, and in that game, that was interesting to go back to what you were talking about. They throw Lonnie Walker out there. So Pop Pop sees teachable moments even in the in the course of the season. Absolutely. And says, you know what? Uh, we're sitting down DeMar DeRozan. We're sitting down LaMarcus Aldridge. Derek White's hurt. Right. So we're going to throw Lonnie Walker in there, the rookie, see what he could do. You know what he did? Nothing. Right. He was awful. Sure. You know, he turnovers, uh, didn't score. Uh, but, but, but you know what? I'm out there against Clay Walker and Steph Curry, absolutely, and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, and you know I'm I'm playing the Golden State Warriors. I'm going to go out there, and, you know, take my lumps and learn a little something about the game. Sure, had a great attitude afterwards. It was not a good game for him, certainly defensively. But but that's but, the savvy of Greg Popovich, though. Yeah, that's that old age wisdom of baptism by fire. Throw him out there, and it either goes well enough for you to say, right. you know what, I can do this, or it goes terribly wrong you crash and burn and you you realize that you wake up the next morning yeah and you learn and, and you go on from there either way you learn something yeah well walker learned something but popovich learned something 
Sure. All right. How does he handle that adversity? Absolutely. Next day, how did he handle it? Absolutely. Is he, is he, if I look at him on the bench, try to turn him to, to bring him in the next time or is, is, does he have Bambi eyes? Sure. Sure. Or does he have fire? You right. Know? Well, and everybody has a psychological angle, right? So to speak of how to, uh, kind of ignite their systems. Sure. Right. So different players react differently. Some players, you see Nick Saban do this a lot, and people talk about this. When the team is down, Nick Saban's a very positive guy. But when they're winning, that's when he's aggressive and yeah. he's yelling and getting fights with his coaches or whatever because he doesn't want them to settle. He doesn't want yeah. them to think that, you know, we're up, whatever. And there's, very, there's a lot of psychology in coaching with things like that. you got to think a guy like Greg Popovich, he's totally in tune with all those kinds of things. And, and, and you know, also you look historically, he's, he's done nothing but develop young players in this league and young semi, uh, you know, different in psychology, but you might argue somewhat more fragile right. than others in this league and turn them into powerhouses. And you don't, if you don't survive that, if you're, if you're not Tony Parker, who could have wilted at age 19, right. uh, if you're not uh, even a Tim Duncan, who who, who took Popovich's wrath because in part because Popovich wanted to say, look, I'm yelling at my superstar. <laughs> right. And he's listening to me and saying, sure. all right, got you, Pop. I've got this. Sure. And it goes back out. That's what he wants to find out. And that's they, they try to draft that way, right. clearly. Right. You know, when you have a Derek White and, 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 and poor Bryn Forbes, that guy's getting flayed. He was flayed at the game you and I were at when they right. played the Phoenix Suns and then and, and almost lost that game. Uh, and Bryn Forbes, he was getting yelled at again uh, the other night when they played Utah, and they, they lost that game to Utah where they had they were in the game in the third quarter, and then and they just uh, kind of choked it away. I, I look at those those kind of games as being those learning moments for some of those young players, to your point. And again, it's only February whatever right now. We're coming into mid-February. We're coming into the All-Star break. Uh, there's time. We, we've said – from day one, I mean, we were talking. We were talking about this in November. It's how are the Spurs going to look in March? Right. How are they going to look day one in March? Because that's when you get down the stretch. You've got a lot of great home games. You're able to do a lot of different things at that point, and you're th then you kind of know what you are. The Spurs in March have a stretch in, in mid March, from March 15th all the way through March the 20th. They've got four straight home games, and they've got uh, uh, let's God of, of the last. Uh, Four last seven games, four of them were home games right. of the season. Right. The Spurs have a lot of home games down the stretch. So, again, faith equity. Again, Greg Popovich has done this. Sure. He's done amazing things. Last year, I thought, was one of the great coaching jobs he's ever done. And it was an early exit from the playoffs. Nobody right. thought they were going to go very far without Kawhi. But without their main cog player, sure. a, 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 a superstar on you know, just, just at a, at a stellar level, right. Uh, to lose that kind of talent and still win 47 games. Still perform. Yeah. So hang in there because what he's doing this year with this team is, is you never know. It might be something really remarkable down the stretch. They're not going to win the championship. Sure. But I agree with all of that. I just think that they've, they're missing something on the court. And to me, that's, you know, Greg Popovich can only talk to you when there's a timeout. Yeah. So who's the Greg Popovich on the court? Right. And that's what I think that they're missing, ultimately. I wanted to say, you know, maybe it's talent. Maybe they don't have enough speed. But I just think it's a drive. I think they need a, yeah. a, a driving force, a vocal leader on the court that says, look, I'm performing. You guys need to get it in gear, perform, and let's go. Yeah. Let's take this game over. 
because that's what they were notorious for. Remember, right. the Spurs used to get down 20 points, and we would scoff at that and say, you, right. we still have two quarters. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, game five in 2014. We'll come right back Miami. at you. We'll win the yeah. game. Yeah. And, and I remember it, we were, it was the team where people were afraid to get up by that much on the Spurs because it just didn't matter. Right. And that in that era, they were the Patriots of the of basketball. Yeah, and I think I wonder... I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I mean, Manu was a little noisy sometimes, you know. But I think what was really sometimes the Spurs, and they, maybe they don't have it now, Andrew. I don't know. But they, but even back then, I mean, when you had a Tim Duncan on the court, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Danny Green, um, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, when you look at those kind of players on the court, there wasn't a whole lot of screaming going on. No, but they talk but a lot. Just a stoic. Yeah, they talked. They they were familiar with each other. There was sure. institutional knowledge. They knew. They knew the system. They knew the, the what the what the franchise uh, demanded of them. Right. And I don't know. I you know I, I, I again I think we think in 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 terms of a season like this season, which is the most unusual season that we've in twenty years for the Spurs. Sure. Lamarcus Aldridge, institutional knowledge. Yeah, he's got it. I guess he's been here for a while, but. Uh, but DeMar DeRozan, no, you know, uh, Derek White, no, uh, and I'm talking about even a defensive identity, right? Uh, shoot, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay. Uh, now they've been in the league for a long time, but you know, so you got these guys together and people, and we think of this as being what, what are the Spurs 48 games into the season, whatever it is now, you know, heading into 50 games into the season or a little bit more. Right. Okay. So they're, they're that many, th- that many games into the season. But really, that team together has been together since October, right. mid-October. Right. So let's count that up: October, November, December, January, February. We're not even in four months. Yeah. And so it's it's four months of a of a year. This team has been together, trying to find its identity together. So yeah, it's been it's been several games of the in to the year. We're three quarters of the way through the year, or two thirds of the way through the year. But I don't know, Andrew. You know, I just think. Can they find it? Yeah. You know, at some point they could find it. And this is the most unusual, wacky, strange Spurs season that we've seen since 1998. Sure. I don't know. Since since, since before we had since Tim David Duncan. Robinson was out for a year. Right. You know, with his back injury. And, they, and then they turn around and get Tim Duncan. Right. So, yeah. Can they turn around? Yeah, I think they could. Uh, again, they're not going to win a championship, but they could. They're, they're building something. Maybe they're building for 2019 and 20. Right. I don't know. When you have a, a Lonnie Walker who's been through some of these wars, you've got a Derek White who all of a sudden is a, a point guard that nobody expected him to be. He's much better than everybody expected. Sure. It, 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 well, could be, it could be a surprise in the long run. Well, to your point about building something, what does it say that the trade deadline is coming gone and no trades were made? Yeah. Spurs see they have that good young talent. They, they feel like they've got a core of something special down the road. Sure. And they're going to stick with it. And, and listen, hey, everybody, look at the standings. Look at the standings at, the, at your Ballyhooed Houston Rockets. Right. They're, they're not, you know, go, go down the list, the checklist of the teams and find out the warts here and there and the dents and all the different things that are happening. Yeah, you can identify the Golden State Warriors, the Denver Nuggets, and the, uh, you know, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm-hmm. But, but when has the Oklahoma City Thunder gotten past the finals? Right. When is the you know when is the you, you really feel like the Denver Nuggets are your team? This right. Year? I mean, I don't I don't know. I'm not discounting that good young talent and what might happen, but the the Spurs are in the middle of a of a scrum right now. Right. And the, and there might be any number of things could happen because 
you watch the Rockets blow that lead the other night to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sure. I mean, just blow a lead. Sure. And you say, that's a team that's going to win a championship? Right. I'm not, they might. They might find some right. magic, but it won't be Mike D'Antoni coaching it into them because <laughs> he can't coach anybody on the defensive side. <laughs> so I think, you know, that's the kind of thing where you look at the, the Rockets and with all my buddies in, in Houston, I love you guys. I'm a huge Astros fan, so I'm not against Houston professional <laughs> sports. But holy cow. Well, I think I think what I've seen so far, people, the the ESPN and other analysts talking around the league is that, you know, nobody's even really talking about the West anymore. They honestly have already anointed uh, the Warriors. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're they're already... Uh, they're by far the best team. In yeah, that they're already going to be Toronto in the and championship State. game. And, and they, I root for that. That'd be a great championship. Sure, sure. Toronto and Golden Although State. now they think it's the 76ers. Now the 76ers good. look Sixers to be like they're going to come great on. Basketball. And they made a couple of good trades. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Um, and you better enjoy Golden State now. Because in a few months, it is going to be nuclear bomb. That place is going <laughs> to... They are not going to have, I mean, gone. Draymond yeah. Green, gone. Kevin Durant, gone. Uh, Clay Thompson, going to be really interesting to see what happens with him. Really? It might be Steph Curry and a bunch of guys. <laughs> so, I don't hey, know. i tell you what, that's the next podcast right yeah. there. Steph Curry and a bunch of guys bunch coming of guys. at you from San Antonio. There's going to be changes, man. I'm just, hey, so also, uh, just to just to segue before we leave, uh, spring training this week. Again, I, I'm not going to sing, but this is the most wonderful time of the year. I love my baseball. <laughs> Houston Astros, uh, most people targeting them to be one of the, uh, if, if not the top team to watch at baseball, one of the top three teams again. Absolutely. And, and, and it runs through the American League. It's going to be, it's the Astros, it's the Yankees, it's the Red Sox again. That's going to be fun to watch, but they report next week, and I am really jacked up. I think the Astros getting Michael Brantley from the Indians. Um, weakness at catcher is the only thing I can think of. they got to have a number five starter uh, on the mound, maybe a left-hander in the bullpen. I mean, you could find, as you can with every team, maybe a few weaknesses. But the Astros are healthy, uh, which killed them last year in the playoffs. Right. Uh, and Andrew, I think they're going to be very, very strong this year. It's looking that way. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens as the season yeah. goes on. And I'll tell you what. So get ready for us to talk some baseball. Well, and I'll tell you happen. what. I, I'm actually really looking forward to this because growing up, I never really paid that much attention to baseball. Mm-hmm. I didn't discount it. I watch a game or two, but I, I would, never had a team. Couldn't really tell you a whole lot about who was doing what. Um so I'm actually really looking forward this year to getting into baseball a little right. bit more seriously and kind of tracking what's going on. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, what? Texas Rangers are going to be fun to watch. I mean, they've got uh, they got Chris Chavez from the Cubs, the pitcher. Uh, they got uh, Chris Woodward, the, the the new manager who came from the Dodgers organization. Right. Um, they're they're losing Adrian Beltre. You know, they're 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 centerpiece, their star, but he didn't play a whole lot last year because of the injury. But uh, but they're going to be good too. So I you know. It's baseball. I love it. 162 games of. We talk about what's brewing sports. Well, that's a cold brew and a TV for me, man. That's, watching, watching some baseball. That's fantastic. I tell you what, we look forward to talking about that much more as that season progresses and comes along. Just want to say thank you so much, everybody, for listening again to us for our second ever podcast of What's Brewing Sports. We are currently available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and we are now officially available on Apple Podcasts. So please subscribe, rate us, leave us reviews, leave us comments. 
Um, seriously, you guys drive us and, and will drive us for the future as far as this podcast existing and what it exists to become, what we talk about, what we cover. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you guys on our, our social media at uh, What's Brewing Sports at Facebook and also Twitter, What's Brewing SP. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Later. Take care.